Fantasy season is over. No excuses. Check out Rival Fantasy, RivalFantasy.com. Their sponsorship keeps us on the air. RivalFantasy.com. The promo code is PLAYER. PLAYER, PLAYER, PLAYER. The promo code is PLAYER. And if you play Fantasy Bingo, their challenges, their over-unders, you get up to $50 of losses refunded. Top 10 takeaways. Playoff edition. Oh, we're on to the NFL playoffs. But for fantasy football, what does that mean? Dynasty, right? We're going to play some playoff DFS. we got the Big Tilt Show focusing on uh, DFS. We're going to do the DFS Dominator stream on our YouTube channel. Uh, just go to YouTube, search uh, Player Profiler. We have that. But we, we So we're going to be breaking down the, the best DFS plays. I mean, pfft. We said all in on Burrow, Chase, Burrow, Higgins stacks last weekend. Didn't work out. I, I like the process. There was not a lot of great plays. Uh, we did uh, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, and it was it was a very very tricky slate. Very very. That's a takeaway. Is that? A, I think that's a takeaway. Very tricky slate. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Yep. Yep. I don't have a don't I usually we we call back to the stack fest show and talk about all oh we were right about this right about that right about this right about that uh no good <laughs> not not the best week for us not a big deal though not a big deal very very happy to uh to to dig into who it was a good week for like Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay scored a touchdown. How about that? How about Kenny Galladay with a touchdown? Though, Marcus Johnson was more productive and more efficient. That's just so perfect. Hey, hey, Kenny, you got the touchdown, but Marcus Johnson was better. Now, uh, we had Allen Diggs stacks were good, right? That was the one stack that worked out. So in your portfolio, you had a bunch of Burrow Chase. Eh. You had a bunch of uh, Hertz, Devontae Smith. Oof, right? That was... Uh, that, that was that was that was a tough pill. Tough pill. Back to Allen Diggs. All these weeks go by, right? Diggs underperforming, Allen underperforming the entire second half. And then in the final week, boom, they both get there in a big way. Very, very cool to see. But it was also interesting to see the dichotomy between the Allen Diggs connection and the Allen Davis non-connection. I mean, this Allen Davis non-connection was epic. So he went three of 10. So three catches for Gabriel Davis on 10 targets, uh, 39 yards. So 3.9 yards per target is awful. But if you were watching the game, as I unfortunately was, as a Patriots fan, my daughter wanted to turn the game on. We had a, a pizza party to go to. So we were at a post-soccer match pizza party. And I had uh, the... Uh, YouTube TV and and my my daughter kept asking me for updates on the game. Big Patriots fan. Oh man. And I was like, "Yeah, uh we're losing, but it's close." And then it it wasn't, but I was like, "But I'm sneaking a peek at these Gabriel Davis drops and and he is just truly awful." And and I started having flashbacks of other drops that he's had against the Jets. He had a big epic drop on a 60-yard bomb. I mean, there was pass interference there, but I mean, He's been truly terrible in contested situations, like 35% K 
contested catch conversion rate on playerprofiler.com. His drop rate has been over 10%, which is it's truly awful, especially with someone with, with his target volume. It's just it's atrocious and inexcusable. No yak. He's not even giving you three yards uh, per reception of yak. Josh Allen, when targeting Gabriel Davis, has like a 50% completion percentage. I mean, an even touchdown to interception ratio and only an 80 passer rating. It's just terrible. Like his passer rating when targeted. You'll get all these advanced efficiency metrics on playerprofiler.com. And it's like, okay, Gabriel Davis is awful. He's just what they have. Isaiah McKenzie is a one-dimensional slot receiver. Khalil Shakir is not ready. But if Khalil Shakir outperforms Gabriel Davis next year, you're not allowed to be surprised. Every week on the Waiver Wired show, we talk about, oh, he's got to stash Khalil Shakir. Why? Well, he's actually better than Gabriel Davis. Similar prospects, similar draft capital, similar production. But Gabriel Davis had two years where he just wasn't productive. And when he has seen the field, he hasn't commanded targets at a high volume. He hasn't been particularly efficient. So we're going to give Shakir the benefit of the doubt that he's probably better than that guy, especially that guy having two-plus years of experience compared to a rookie. In a vacuum, give me Shakir. Longer term, like Shakir, you're going to see Gabriel Davis uh, coming down in the dynasty rankings. So that's what we're doing. Really looking at these Week 18 performances in a dynasty context, and Gabriel Davis, not great. Even a guy like, uh, say, I'm on Ross St. Brown, right? I'm on Ross St. Brown's going to come down a little bit. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He went 9 for 49, right? 9 for 49. Because it's a reminder that he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Justin Jefferson. He's not Jamar Chase. He's not an outside big-time playmaker. He gets huge volume, right? He's like a tougher, more nimble version of Keenan Allen, right? He is a a possession receiver that plays that slot flanker role. That guy has a, a capped ceiling in the league. Now, the beauty of Amon Ross St. Brown is that target volume gives him nice, steady production. You always know when you can start him, right? I love that particular archetype, right? That slot flanker archetype is amazing for Dynasty because those guys also play into their 30s and they're super productive and efficient. We're talking about that body type, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Rashad Bateman. Those are my guys. Think about my guys. They're guys that look like that. They're guys that look like Amon Ross St. Brown. Surely, Amon Ross St. Brown's a little bit smaller. He's less explosive than those guys. So when you're thinking about Dynasty rankings and, hey, where does Amon Ross stack up? vis-a-vis a Godwin, a Bateman, a DJ Moore, when they're all in the same tier, understand that that's where they belong. Like, Garrett Wilson is on another level, right? Chris Olave can play the role that Amon Ross St. Brown plays, but Chris Olave can also stretch the field. So he's more versatile because he's faster, right? That's the beauty of, of running something like a 4-4 versus a 4-6. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, not fast. He's, he's pretty explosive, when he gets the ball in his hands, but not not that fast otherwise. And and to co- co- compare him to Keenan Allen, like oh really? Keenan Allen's great. Keenan Allen's been great. It's like when I when I say Rashad Bateman is explosive, Keenan Allen. That's a, such a compliment, such a huge compliment. And Keenan Allen showed us for DFS why you play players, superstars like Keenan Allen, even if you don't think they'll play the full game. He didn't play the full game. 
Played like three quarters, did most of his production in the first half. But if you're Keenan Allen, you can put up 102 touchdowns in the first half. So when we were doing the optimizer on Saturday on the DFS Dominator stream, Dario and I kept noticing, oh, there's Keenan Allen popping into a lot of lineups. Let's see lineups with Keenan Allen. Let's see lineups without Keenan Allen. I was like, very, I was like, weird. This is, Chris, this is interesting how much the optimizer loves the, the lineup genius just plugging in Keenan Allen as a one-off. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm not sure he's going to play more than a half, though, so let's make sure that we don't have, you know, such high exposure to Keenan Allen. There's no way that the the lineup genius can potentially understand that, that there's this, this this overhanging risk. But this we're talking about tournaments here, right? We're, you, you, you bet on a player like that getting there just in the first half alone. Deshaun Watson is a real conundrum. So there's a bunch of conundrum players. We still have uh, George Pickens as a conundrum. Uh... Deshaun Watson's a conundrum. The biggest conundrum of all is Traylon Burks. He continues to be the biggest conundrum, though you could argue that Jamison Williams is even more of a of a of a enigma because we haven't seen many targets at all. Like if you're gonna complain about George Pickens getting six targets, he's gotten six targets in a number of games this year. Well, you're gonna complain about Jamison Williams getting one? It's fascinating where you rank Pickens versus Jamison Williams versus Christian Watson versus Traylon Burks is one of the big storylines of this offseason. So today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, months from now, we're going to be discussing this. This wide receiver class is really exciting, truly exciting. Uh, but Deshaun Watson, he is a Konami QB with upside. I want Deshaun Watson I'm going to be drafting a lot of him next year in seasonal leagues and in dynasty. He rushed for another 44 yards. If he has a full off season where he's not constantly showing up to court and being asked questions about whether he deserves to work for a living in his chosen profession, should he be banned for life and he's a despicable character, which he is, right? He is a despicable character, but there's a lot of despicable characters out there. Like once upon a time, we didn't think Tyreek Hill was ever going to play in the league again, right? And then uh, the the Chiefs famously or infamously, however you want to think about it, they caped up for Tyreek Hill, and they ended up getting a huge haul in return. And in, interesting, Week 18, Tyreek Hill no-showed. Just something to just saying. <laughs> it's just, just, a, just an observation. Just a little takeaway. Just a little, just a little takeaway. Guy did nothing. Garrett Wilson did something. Garrett Wilson did something called getting and commanding and enjoying 17 targets. As a rookie, Garrett Wilson has been commanding a huge target share. But the quarterback situation is as bad as any team in the league because Zach Wilson was just drafted in the top three, top two to be exact, a couple years ago. They got to go back to that well again. Maybe not. Maybe they go and they, they bring in Derek Carr. That's the, the most popular speculation, but also there's a Tom Brady. There's a bunch of, there's, there's a number of options, a number of bridge quarterbacks, and who the Jets quarterback is going to be versus the Saints quarterback versus the Falcons quarterback is all incredibly important because we are looking at Olave, who was surpassed by Garrett Wilson. They are comparable to each other on playerprofiler.com, which is interesting, but I mean, I mean, Garrett Wilson has a 15-target game, a 14-target game, a 17-target game, an 11-target game, and a 10-target game. Mixed in with a bunch of 9-target games, okay? 
at age 22. If you have Garrett Wilson in Dynasty, you are so happy. You are thrilled beyond. But also, Chris Olave is going to have huge weeks. Chris Olave is going to be like a next level. These are the types of players that I gravitate to. The ultra-versatile slot flankers who Garrett Wilson, I mean, he could play X. He, he shouldn't be at X. They should put a guy like Corey Davis out there just to eat up alpha corner matchups and snaps and routes and, and let Garrett Wilson operate underneath and, and, and run double moves and do all those things that we love from the Z receiver. Same with Chris Olave, right? And that leads to, in today's NFL, that leads to maximum production. This is the issue I have when I'm comparing these guys to Drake London. It's very difficult. It's very difficult because Drake London has the best opportunity metrics you could ever want from a rookie. 30% target share, 30% target rate, targets per route run. That's better than Olave. That's better than Garrett Wilson. But the production wasn't there because the pass volume wasn't there because he's trapped on a true run first offense and their quarterback situation is even more uncertain than Garrett Wilson's because you know the Jets with a top 10 defense and a lot of other pieces that are now put in place. They have Brees Hall and they, you know, they've, they've been investing in the offensive line. They're ready to, to start competing. So they're a great candidate to go and, and trade for Derek Carr to go get Tom Brady, which makes me very comfortable just posting up Garrett Wilson in that wide receiver one spot from this class. Then the question is Olave versus London. It's a conversation. Most people just say, oh, well, look at those metrics, those opportunity metrics. They're so indicative of future production. But when I look at archetype, I like Olave. Olave is going to be super productive. He's going to give you giant spike weeks. He's going to play and be productive out until age 35. I mean, he is such an incredible building block for Dynasty, which is what our... Our argument for having these three as our top three receivers all along was that, you know, Wilson and Olave uh, are, are, are can't-miss building blocks. Olave, even more of a can't-miss prospect than even Garrett Wilson, but Garrett Wilson having a little more upside, and now we, we look up and it's, the season's over. Oh, they're one-two, right? One-two, but maybe not. We've got to we've got to go back into the lab. We've got to we've got to figure this out because I got to get with Dario. I got to get with Cody. Uh, we gotta we gotta you know feed all these numbers into the uh, supercomputer at playerprofiler.com and we we gotta see what it has to say on Olave versus London. It's 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 interesting. The quarterback situation could be the determining factor. Saints quarterbacks, I mean that is who knows, right? How do you how can you even predict? It's a little more stable in Atlanta where it's like hey, it's a good chance it could be Ritter. Ritter played well enough, right? So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's very, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that's one of those things. Stay tuned. You got to stay tuned for Olave versus London, London versus Olave. And no one can agree. Like when I go through the opinions of all the top experts, you got Olave people, you've got London people. Uh, there are these camps. I think most people have come to Jesus on Garrett Wilson as the wide receiver one from this past draft class, but then it becomes very interesting very quickly. Stay tuned. Hey, remember on Underdog when everyone was drafting Jets because of the, the best ball schedule? As it turns out, Garrett Wilson was an elite, was an incredible best ball option, especially at ADP, but not because of the schedule, because of the volatility, because of the spike weeks. 
We love Underdog for best ball, but Underdog also has the Pick'em games. So remember to correlate your Pick'ems during the playoffs. Pick a particular game script and then bet on that game script coming to fruition. This team getting up big, running the ball, and then another team to come from behind. And then pick players to go over and under accordingly. That's how you crack the underdog pickums. The promo code is Underworld. You get a instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. The promo code is Underworld on Underdog, where fantasy never stops. Oof. And that's just the top guys, right? That's just the top three guys. The big three, right? That's the big three. But then we, we get down to the who's next? Well, Christian Watson, right? Another 100-yard game in a clutch spot. Christian Watson gave you the 100 yards. No touchdown, though. Like, he should have. Based on yardage, the probability is that he should have got a touchdown. And in these other weeks, he should not have. So he only scores when he's not supposed to, and he, he doesn't score when he is supposed to. So that's Christian Watson. He's definitively a top five rookie wide receiver from this class. Definitively. Anyone thinks, oh, well, no, I still have Jamison Williams ahead of him, and I still have Pickens, and I still have... Eh. Shut up. Shut up. No. He's done enough. He has he has stepped up and done enough, and then in a clutch spot, get out of here. The question is, like, is he the clear number four after the big three? I would say yes. I think it's time, right? I think, it's, I think he has surpassed... George Pickens, though George Pickens had a good game, but uh, not good enough, right? Not, 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 not good enough for me. Not good enough for most people. I think that the vast majority of the hardcore uh, dynasty analysts, the serious dynasty analysts, they have, they have, they, they've acknowledged, hey, this is Christian Watson. Uh, this is who he is. Yes, there is a risk that he's Chase Claypool. It is a risk. But the risk goes down. Every time he puts up a 100-yard gain, the risk goes down. And I'm happy to report that Christian Watson hit the over on Sleeper. Sleeper has over-unders. But you won't be able to play Christian Watson in the weeks ahead because the Packers were eliminated. Aaron Rodgers is going to the dance. It's the big homecoming dance. And by going home, I mean he's going to Green Bay and he's not playing in the playoffs. Oh! So we can no longer take the under on Aaron Rodgers on Sleeper. But there are plenty of players like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen where you can hit those overs and unders on Sleeper. The promo code is Underworld. A 100% instant deposit match is available. So you put in 100 and you can play with $200 on Sleeper during the playoffs. The promo code is Underworld on Sleeper where fantasy never sleeps. George Pickens is very tricky. What a tricky situation. Wow. Wow. Like, just when you're hoping, hey, George, just for just for rankings purposes, just for our own sanity, put up another big dud so we can just move you, you know, out of this tier. And then he says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to be much better than Deontay Johnson. Right? Deontay Johnson's, you know, p- giving you, like, a catch on 10 targets, uh, uh, just uh, an embarrassing performance. And... Somehow, George Pickens' target quality, whether it be Trubisky, whether it be Pickett, it's uh, it's pretty good. Even though that he's he's top ten in in target depth, it's really interesting that he is able to somehow command a high target quality and also go deep. Now that's the thing with rookie wide receivers. It's one thing to be Amon Ross St. Brown and operate in, in you know within five yards of the line of scrimmage and command a bunch of targets and great. Like, that's cool. That's cool, right? 
But it's another thing to be top 10 in target depth and be a full-time starter at age 21-22. No, he did not ever command a huge target or target rate, target share. But I got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't have uh, a lot of experience, didn't have a, a chance to really develop as much as he could have in college because of injuries, and he's been thrust into a a team in complete flux mode with a rookie quarterback and or Mitchell Trubisky with you know rumors of Mason Rudolph. He's practicing with Mason Rudolph. Is it going to be Rudolph? Is it going to be Trubisky? We don't know. You look up and go, how 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 wow? You can't just completely move Pickens out of the picture, out of the top five, hundred percent, right? You can't nuke him just because his target rate was low as a rookie. Like as a rookie, I like to see the guy is out there running all the routes. The guy is out there getting deep. The guy is converting deep. He scored a touchdown in a, in a clutch spot. They, it was a must-win game. And who did uh, Pickett turn to? Well, he threw more to Deontay Johnson, right? <laughs> 10 targets, 3.8 yards per target for, for Deontay Johnson. And uh, more than 10 yards per target for George Pickens. So it's going to be interesting to see how the targets get distributed when George Pickens is a sophomore. But the team has a lot of faith in him, enough faith to just jettison Chase Claypool. So there's been enough signal, especially because this is a team that has historically scouted wide receivers very well in Pittsburgh. So I, I'm, I'm going to be inclined to just keep Pickens, you know, where we have him in Dynasty, and and, and not think about hey moving him down, especially given that Jamison Williams has not produced. Now he's looked good. I mean, he's looked good when it doesn't count, like uh, this touchdown right here. I mean, you got the flea flicker. He's he he's on a, uh, I guess a probably it was a it was a a post route that he just continued and uh, right on the money scores yeah against the Packers secondary. That's impressive. But that was that was that was it. He had one other target that was incomplete, and that was it. That was all we saw from Jamison Williams. Where was Jamison Williams? Where has he been? I he's fully recovered from the knee injury, but yet not right he's not going to be truly 100% trusting that knee until he has the offseason to train on it and then he comes back this is going to be a high-powered offense this is the debate we got nothing from Jamison Williams you think you're worried about getting uh, you know not enough target volume to really get a full assessment of George Pickens then hold it against him that he's not getting targets at all well what about Jamison Williams going to hold this against him and how much do you factor in the fact that he was you know, developing confidence in the knee throughout the end of the season? This is going to be a video game offense. And DJ Chark is a free agent. That's another thing we got to talk about a lot. We're going to talk about a lot today, tomorrow. Again, stay tuned for more contract talk. Chark is a free agent. It's not easy. It's not easy to decide between a Watson and a Williams and a Pickens. It's not easy. And then you talk about Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks commanded more targets than Pickens. He had the same number of targets as Pickens and Jamison Williams combined. But his quarterback in Week 18 was uh, Dobbs, right? Dobby, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The guy's out here commanding more targets than anybody else. So Pickens commands fewer targets than, than Deontay Johnson week in, week out. Well, Burks, when he's playing, commands more targets than 
Robert Woods. But who's their quarterback going to be? Going to be Dobbs? Is it going to be Tannehill? Is it going to be Malik Willis? Is Malik Willis going to take a step forward? Even if he does, it's still the Derrick Henry show. Malik Willis is, is highly unlikely to be, be a volume passer in the league. On the other hand, Pittsburgh is clearly sold on Kenny Pickett. Even if Kenny Pickett has a below 50% completion percentage, even if Kenny Pickett doesn't even put up 200 yards, they won. They beat a division rival at home 28-14. That's a situation that will instill confidence in a franchise. They're going to build around Kenny Pickett. It's because he won the game. It's not because of any of his metrics. And he's going to have the whole offseason again to develop rapport with Johnson and and Pickens, and, and, and the targets will be consolidated. With, with those two in Fryermuth, it's going to be, in, we're, we're going to be drafting a bunch of, of Pickett, Fryermuth, Pickett, Johnson, Pickett, Pickens, Stacks, and Best Ball this year. Get ready for it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's a lot of other interesting contract situations. Like the Steelers resolved the Chase Claypool contract by just getting rid of him, like trading him while they could get something back for him. Super savvy. A lot of other teams. They just hold on until the guy becomes a free agent, never getting anything for him. So this is why the Pittsburgh front office, even though their team is you know, substandard across the board, we, we've talked about this. When you look at the Pittsburgh offense, the Pittsburgh defense, most of their units are well below average compared to other teams around the league. And yet they're in the hunt until the final game. It's impressive. That's impressive. I mean, Mike Tomlin, to almost make the playoffs with that team, to almost make the playoffs with the Lions, Tomlin and Campbell are two of the best coaches in the league. Those would be my co- If I was building a team today, dream team, I would want Mike Tomlin and I would want... And the funny thing is that these guys are not like the super intellectual type guys, right? These are guys that are... you know, Mike, Mike Tomlin's always talking about we just got to get out of the stadium alive. Like he's not trying to make it complicated. He's a straight talker. I mean, Dan Campbell, I mean... He he may not be like the most cerebral coach, but he's a hell of a motivator. I would run through a wall for that guy. This is all I care about is you guys. You're all I care about, man. This, this is it. This is everything. I'd be like, yes, coach. We got nothing to play for, but we're going to dominate the Packers. They're going down. Aaron Rodgers going home. Oh, Packers. Such an easy fade. An easy fade, another easy fade in the offseason, another another win for the decision point show. I just saw Steve Kime got uh, relieved of his duties. Keem Kime, I never know. I never know. We never, would you ever get resolved? Kime versus Keem, Keem versus Kime. Who cares? He's gone. Doesn't matter. You never, never have to worry about pronouncing that guy's name again out here drafting Andy Isabel over DK Metcalf and then signing James Connor to a contract with twice as much money guaranteed as he needed to sign him ridiculous decision point wins again and you know our model really liked Tyler Algier and Cody liked Tyler Algier we talked about how he was a converted linebacker converted to running back but very few very few running backs in this past draft class had that skill set where he's 220 pounds the guy's catching 30 passes in college and he has a, a well-above-average speed score and, and you know, good but not great athleticism. But first and foremost, you have soft hands at that size and that you can withstand uh, a, a workhorse role, then I will like you. 
I will lie. I do have a lot of Tyler Algier in Dynasty. This is this is why you draft running backs in the third round, right? You you get to get your wide receiver in the first round or the beginning of the second round, and then you were moving on and just going all in on running backs like Tyler Algier in rookie drafts last year, and that is paying off. Algier is going to be the primary guy. Like he he's a guy where you can see his best ball ADP just going up and up and up and up and. The Falcons are going to be rebuilding. The last thing they need to do is bring in a running back from the draft. And you have to think that they're like, okay, this guy's putting up another 100-yard game. All this guy's doing in the second half is stacking up 100-yard games. But we also know that he's an adequate pass catcher out of the backfield given his college resume. They drafted him in the fifth round. That's not the seventh round, right? That's the fifth round. There's still quality players on the board when you're taking Tyler Algier there. He's 220 pounds. He had a 36% dominator rating, 85th percentile for a major conference program, in addition to a 10% target share in college. And he has above-average athleticism across the board, Spark X score of uh, 110.1, well above average. And you go back and you look at the game log, oh, look at that, 22 fantasy points, 15 fantasy points, 16 fantasy points. Then what do you do again? Oh, oh. 135 yards rushing this week, right? So another 13 fantasy points for Tyler Algier. Again, no receptions, but Cordell Patterson is in his 30s. So that's another thing we need to look at is how old are all of these running backs that are standing in the way of big explosive running backs that we like, like an A.J. Dillon? How old is uh, Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones, 27, going to be 28. Right. Corderell Patterson has an out in his contract. Okay, so they can they can get out for just three point seven million of dead cap. The cap hit would be five point five million if they keep him. Like, okay, this guy is going to be thirty two when the season starts in twenty twenty three. And we can save around two million dollars by cutting him on a rebuilding franchise. It's safe to assume Corderell Patterson will not return. That means more targets for Algier. That's what I'm projecting. He already has the, the workhorse runner role. Now what happens when he starts catching you know, 40 passes out of the backfield? This is this is younger, less expensive James Conner in fantasy football. This is what he looks like, Tyler Algier. James Conner level workhorse back. And uh, Kenneth Walker is making a strong, strong case to be the overall dynasty running back one. And he, we could be looking up. In a couple weeks in Dynasty, and Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are in the top three. The question is, where do you put Jonathan Taylor? Where do you put Saquon Barkley? It's a debate, right? It's a debate. I would like to see some video, like we saw from Barkley. Some, I'd like to see some workout videos from Brees Hall to give us a sense that, oh, his recovery is on schedule. Once we get a sense that Brees Hall's recovery is on schedule, it could be Walker Hall 1-2 in Dynasty. I'm expecting that to be the case. That's I'm fully expecting that to be the case. You say, what about Travis Etienne? Well, Travis Etienne dudded out as we expected against Tennessee. He didn't want to play him against Tennessee. That was, that, was, that was fantasy suicide. Not catching any passes. At least with Kenneth Walker, like he has an eight-target game. He has a five-target game. Etienne can't say that. Even Cam Akers had a, had a three-target. Cam Akers went three for three, 24 yards. So he was as good in the receiving game in Week 18 as ETN's been all year in any game. And ETN and Akers are a similar age. 
So why aren't Akers and ETN closer in the dynasty rankings? You know, Akers is going to be more explosive. He's going to be another you know, eight months removed by the time the season starts in 2023 from this Achilles rupture and rebuilding all that muscle and all that explosiveness. You get a giddy up. You get a giddy up on Cam Akers. He was a top 25 dynasty running back a couple weeks ago for us. Like We, we are Cam Akers truthers. Zero L's. Ze- I mean, z- talk about zero L's. Cam Akers, another zero L's candidate. But top 20, top 15. So you get to check out our Dynasty rankings on playerprofiler.com. Check out Dynasty Deluxe. See how high Cam Akers gets in the next couple weeks because we update these rankings constantly. Another question, where's Chuba Hubbard going to be? Chuba Hubbard had one more yard and the same number of carries as Dante Foreman. They finally reached carry parity. Say that. Go ahead and say that. Say that at home. Carry parody. Try it. See if you see if can you can you execute? Say it without thinking too hard. Just say it quickly. Say it. Try to say it without thinking. So you get a sense how hard my job is. Really hard job here. Tough, tough job. Solo pod live for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half doing this show. Not giving you 10 takeaways, giving you 20 takeaways. Please. Please. Chuba Hubbard is now. As of the the start of the next season, he will be the primary back. He and Tyler Algier are going to be the similar situation, except that Carolina has a better offensive line. Carolina has been investing in the offensive line. They have a run first philosophy similar to Atlanta. And Dante Foreman is a free agent. Look at all these free agents. I mean, put the cut candidates aside. We'll talk about the cut candidates Running back, you have Pollard, Barkley, Jacob, Sanders, David Montgomery, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, Dante Foreman. Gone, 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 gone. Then the question is in Dynasty, who's behind these guys? Oh, Kenny Gainwell, going to be ahead of consensus on him. Zamir White, going to be ahead of consensus on him. And then you have guys that their contracts are structured in a way that they're definitely gone. Aaron Jones decided to take more money up front and less overall in the long term. Like, that's the price, right? They renegotiated in order to give the team an out this offseason, okay? Aaron Jones is owed $15 million this year, and he's going to have $20 million counting against the cap unless they cut him. When guys restructure, that's what they do. They take more bonus money, and it shortens the, the, the length of the contract. What does that mean for A.J. Dillon? A.J. Dillon is a big, explosive back. Chuba Hubbard has the size and the explosiveness. These are the types of players we like. Most people know Aaron Jones is gone, but not everybody in Dynasty. Not everybody. So that would be my my first priority is to go send some offers for A.J. Dillon. Maybe people don't realize, right? A.J. Dillon dotted out in week 18. He stinks. Gimme. Gimme, 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 gimme. And then you have to go to the, the, the true backups because there are some true backups that are becoming the primary backup for their teams. Now, they could uh, probably more likely than not get eliminated or get uh, you know subverted by the NFL draft. There's going to be a bunch of new, fresh, young running backs coming into the league, and they're going to offset a lot, a lot of the, this, this early movement where we see, oh, guys, oh, wow. Ooh, Josh Jacobs gone, Zamir White, oh, oh, not so fast, right? Maybe, maybe not. I think maybe. I think there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance Zamir White opens the 2023 season as the primary back, but they could uh, they could go sign 
David Montgomery instead of Josh Jacobs. They could go sign Damian Harris would be a great candidate. Josh Jacobs gone. Josh McDaniels like, hey, uh, this Damian Harris guy, he and I got along really well, like Jared Stidham in New England. So you could see that happening, and then all oh, Zamir White, wah, 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 wah. This is all very possible, or not, right? Or you look up every year, and there's a team we assumed would dip into free agency, would dip into the NFL draft, and restock their running back room, their wide receiver core, and then you look up and like, no, actually, they didn't draft a receiver? What? This team didn't. This team never addressed the running back position. We, the Falcons, right? We thought, oh, man, they're going to they're gonna do something, right? No, they drafted a guy in the fifth round, and that was a wrap. That was it, right? So you just go and you trade for an A.J. Dillon thinking the probability is he's going to be the, the starting back. Same thing with a Zamir White. Same thing with a Kenny Gainwell. Although I think it's, I think it's now, is it now Kenneth Gainwell? I think it might be Kenneth Gainwell. Kenny Galladay is definitely a Kenny at this point, right? He's not a Ken. He's not a Kenneth. He's definitely a Kenny. He's acting like a Kenny. Kenny Walker, Ken Walker became Kenneth. Absolutely. And I want to see Kenny Gainwell become a Kenneth Gainwell. We, we, we need to show some reverence with Mr. Kenneth Gainwell in 2023. I'm excited for that. Also, if you heard, I said David Montgomery, which means Khalil Herbert. And the Bears... They got a, a jump start on this. They said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to give Herbert the work. He was more efficient. He was more productive in week 18. He dominated Montgomery. So it, it's, it's going to be on for Khalil Herbert, assuming the Bears don't go out and draft a, a running back early. But unlike a Gainwell, unlike a Zamir White, Khalil Herbert has shown enough, right? He's been productive enough when called upon and been efficient enough when called upon that it's it's a very it's very clear and easy to assume the Bears just turn to Herbert and let David Montgomery walk and don't necessarily backfill that position with anything other than a day three running back from the draft. That's very easy to see. That's why Herbert's moving up. Herbert has an all-purpose skill set and he's going to benefit from the Alfred Morris corollary. We're going to be looking at linebackers that are moving that way and then you're moving this way because they're following Justin Fields and you have the football. But the free agency is not just with running backs. Look at the wide receiver room in New England, right? Aguilar, gone. Okay, Bourne, gone. It's interesting with Devontae Parker. They owe Devontae Parker $7 million, right? Non-guaranteed. So he had to earn that $7 million this year. And if you remember, Devontae Parker was one of the all-time bust receivers of our time. I mean, he... He was one of many from uh, uh, the back-to-back draft classes with Laquan Treadwell, Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson. It was a who's who of bust receivers in those those two draft classes. Just immediately following the 2014 epic class where you had Beckham and, and you just had, I mean, name a receiver. He was probably in the 2014, I mean, Mike Evans. I mean, name Hall of Famer receiver, and he's probably in that class. I mean, Allen Robinson, that class was was so good. Brandon Cooks, I mean, it was just incredible. Devontae Adams. Then after that, there was, a, there was a fallow period at wide receiver. Devontae Parker was part of that fallow period, but in his contract year, 
he roared up, had a thousand yards, touchdowns, was efficient. There, and the and the Dolphins were tricked. They extended him. They gave him a big extension. He's like, okay, I guess I don't have to uh, do anything for the next few years. And then uh, he, all his guaranteed money was up. He's like, well, I gotta I gotta convince the Patriots to to pay me seven million next year. So what am I gonna do? Well, I'm gonna put up twenty five fantasy points. In week 18, in a must-win game, I'm going to get two touchdowns. I'm going to be super efficient. I'm going to go like six for seven. I'm going to be the reason. I might even drag this team into the playoffs on my back, right? When the money is on the line, Devontae Parker shows up. That is that is a takeaway. That is a big-time takeaway. We're missing the big reveal. We're missing the big reveal. The big reveal sounder. I'm dying for this big reveal sounder. I've been looking for it. And I'm like, where is the big reveal sounder? This is, this is, we must have a big reveal sounder. When I say something like that, that Devontae Parker needs money to be on the line in order to, to perform well, that requires a big reveal sound effect. It absolutely does. Again, I am my own producer. I am the host. There is no one else helping me with production quality, content, anything. This is a one-man show, and no one does it better. Who else is a free agent? Alexander Madison. Who's behind Alexander Madison? Ty Chandler. Six carries for Ty Chandler in Week 18. These are the things I'm paying close attention to. Dalvin Cook, going to be 28. Fournette's going to be 28. We talked about Aaron Jones, going to be 28 and gone. Kamara, 28. Zeke, 28. James Conner, 28. Who's behind these guys? Keontae Ingram. Will Keontae Ingram be replaced in the draft or free agency and subverted? Most likely, right? Derrick Henry's 29 for all of us Julius Chestnut fans. 29, right? A couple of these guys, Chandler, someone, someone when the, is, is going to be fortunate enough to be on a team that does not aggressively backfill the running back position, whether it be... The Vikings just letting Madison walk and then not investing in the running back position. They're like, hey, we've got Cook. We've got Nwangu in a, in a special teams hybrid role. We've got Chandler. He was an all-purpose back with, with enough speed and receiving skills at North Carolina. He's looked good in practice. We're going we're gonna to roll with him, right? And then you remember, I also said Kareem Hunt's a free agent. Kareem Hunt is gone. And who's behind him? Well, we have Jerome Ford, the five-star recruit who transferred from Alabama had a big video game season in his final year with Cincinnati, has been behind Chubb and Hunt, but he he already usurped Dernis Johnson on the depth chart. So he is in line to be the the, uh, the heir apparent to Nick Chubb. So monitor Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford also has incredible speed. He's very explosive. And so th- this is a guy you can imagine, like preseason DFS, Jerome Ford, preseason DFS, Ty Chandler. Both those guys are explosive. Both those guys are going to be behind running backs that are well past the age apex. Now, Chubb's not quite you know, in line to be 28 like these other guys, but he's going to be 27. That's still a couple of years past the age apex. Though I will say with Nick Chubb, he's getting more durable over time. He was less durable in college, but he's like Frank Gore in that he was more fragile in college and early on, and then year over year he keeps becoming more and more durable. This is Wolf's Law. This is a law of anatomy that as you put stress on the body of a certain type, the body gets used to that stress. So that's why some of these running backs, like a Fournette, like a Chubb, they actually become more durable as time goes by. 
Isaiah likely 13 targets, 100 yards, even though Mark Andrews is there, not going anywhere. We've had likely as our number three tight end in this class. So we are looking great. I mean, our dynasty rankings looking great. We had, what, we had Dulcich and we had uh, McBride and we had likely. Those were the only rookie tight ends from this class. We had in the top 20 in dynasty and uh, yep, it was McBride last week. And then this past week, it was likely they're the three best tight ends. Like they're the three best tight ends from this past draft class. And, and we're going to be bullish on them moving forward. We should close it out with a player that I just want to just bring up because of what we saw in week 18. We see these glimpses. We see these little windows. We can peek in and see what these guys are capable of. I just want to say this. I think because I've had this guy stashed in a couple super flex and two QB dynasty. And I'm just going to just tell you, I'm dropping him. He can't play. And I've also heard rumors that he lives dangerously off the field. And he is, he, he does not have Tom Brady's work ethic off the field. That's the word out of Tampa. Kyle Trask. Okay. Kyle Trask. This is your moment. The second half week 18. And I look up and there's, they're playing Gabbert. And I'm like, why are they playing Gabbard? Like, in the playoffs, you don't want Gabbard injured either, right? You want you, so why not just play Trask the second half? They couldn't do it. Guy went three for nine. Okay, so final takeaway. I mean, he's just awful. He's not a professional quarterback. He never will be. Uh, and partly that's because of the way he's wired. He's not. He's not wired to be. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers' next quarterback is not currently on the roster. And that does not deserve a reveal sound effect because at this point it's painfully obvious, but I do understand that I'm going out after 18 weeks with the most obvious, least insightful, most uninteresting take of the entire year to close out this show after week 18. Kyle Trask is not an NFL quarterback and... We have no idea who the next quarterback for the Buccaneers will be post-Tom Brady. It won't be Trask. I have no idea who it'll be, and that is not interesting. Top 10 takeaways, off we go, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Ow! Yeah! Oh! Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. Did I say Kenny Galladay? Kenny Gainwell. We opened the show with Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is definitely a Kenny at this point, right? He's not a Ken. He's not a Kenneth. He's definitely a Kenny. He's acting like a Kenny. It's all I care about is you guys. You're all I care about, man. This, this is it. This is everything. I'd be like, yes, coach. We got nothing to play for, but we're going to dominate the Packers. They're going down. Aaron Rodgers going home. That requires a big reveal sound effect. It absolutely does.
I just don't know where it is. I'm mad that I can't find it, but I believe that we have it now. So let me say it again. I'm going to say it again. When money is on the line, Devontae Parker shows up. Yeah! There it is! There's that sounder! Oh. And who's behind him? Well, we have Jerome Ford, the five-star recruit who transferred from Alabama, had a big video game season in his final year with Cincinnati, has been behind Chubb and Hunt, but he, he already usurped Dernis Johnson on the depth chart, so he is in line to be the the, uh, the heir apparent to Chuba Hubbard, to uh, Nick Chubb. Chuba Hubbard. I mean, Chuba Hubbard's going to be good. You can tell I... I <laughs> you see what happens with my brain, right? I've got notes in front of me. I've got players I wanted to talk about. Kenny Galladay and uh, Chuba Hubbard. They just work their way in! Is all I care about is you guys!